But we do have a message we're going to look at in, in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, you know, I don't have a personal Facebook page, but I do help manage the church's Facebook page. And uh, so this last week I saw a post by uh, a pastor's wife, and, uh, um, and, and the post resonated with me, okay? And, uh, it, and it dealt with something that's been on my heart for a while. And so I wanted to give her credit, and she knows who she is, but, and uh, that, that, uh, that sparked a message in my heart that I'm going to share with you today. And uh, so we're going to be looking at the book of Jeremiah this morning, chapters 42 through 44. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the, all the chapters there. Uh, we're going to look at some of the scripture there. But I want to give you a little bit of context before we get to that. See, Jeremiah, he was a prophet and uh, living at the time where Israel where Israel had been warned many times about fleeing idolatry. So Israel had been uh, participating in idolatry, and he had uh, uh, Jeremiah the prophet and other prophets had warned Israel over and over again to flee from idolatry. But the, the, their refusal, though, to heed the voice of the Lord had led to Israel being divided, for one. They had the two kingdoms where the nation of Israel was divided, where you had the northern and the southern kingdom, and the ten tribes of the north were now under the hands of an Assyrian king. And Jeremiah was warning Judah, the southern kingdom, of impending judgment of the Lord by an invasion from the Babylonian Empire. So Jeremiah is repeatedly warning them to repent and to turn and uh, and he's telling them that what will happen if they do not. So Jeremiah was called by God to be a prophet, a messenger. But get this, before he was even born, he was called. You know, he wasn't married. His whole life was set aside in service to God. And uh, he is known as the weeping prophet. He, uh, as he wept over the state of Judah at the, in their rebellion against God and, and the refusal to hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And so he was known as the weeping prophet. The messages he spoke to the people, they, they weren't popular, okay? They were not what they wanted to hear. They did not want to hear it. So he preached a message of repentance and they continually rejected it. They did not want to hear it. So he warned them that if they did not repent, they would face judgment. He'd be threatened. He'd be rejected. He'd be beaten. He'd be put on trial for his life. He was called a liar. And the amazing thing is that wasn't from the outside world. That was from God's people. Not by the pagans, but the very people that he was called to preach to. So he demonstrated that he had a greater fear. So he continued, even though he knew the message wasn't popular, he continued to preach the message God had called him to preach. See, he demonstrated that he had a greater fear of God than of man. And it turned, it meant that he preached what the people did not want to hear. So today we're going to look at a time that comes after the people that uh, had experienced Jeremiah's prophecies. Some of his prophecies had already come true, okay? And uh, so they had seen what he had said had come true, but that had Judah had fallen to the Babylonians, just like he said, they had fallen to the Babylonians, yet Jerusalem had not yet fallen, and there were still a remnant of Jews left in Jerusalem. You see, all along the way, God kept speaking to the people of Judah, giving them instruction, giving them opportunity to listen. But because of the refusal 
to repent, they faced a predicted judgment from that under the hands of Babylonian Empire. So uh, first, we got to know this. Uh, sometimes we are looking for a solution. Sometimes we're looking for a solution that is. Uh, uh, but when, but sometimes that God has got a clear instruction to us, but yet we don't listen to that, but we're looking for some other solution. And here we see that they thought the best thing for them to do at this point in time was to go to Egypt as they were threatened in a situation that we were going to see. So they had it in their mind, going to Egypt, fleeing to Egypt was the best thing. But God said, no, don't go to Egypt. He gave very clear instruction on what to do but they did not want to hear that, so they did what they thought was best. And sometimes we do the same thing. Uh, so God gives us clear instructions at times, but we have this Egypt in this mind. We have this thing that we think is the best thing to do, and that's the way we're going to go. And all the while, we're not hearing God's voice and what He's actually telling us that we should do. So first, we're going to see God's clear instructions to them. So in uh, chapter 27, Jeremiah of Jeremiah, he gave a message to the king of Judah, to the king of Judah. He gives a message and to the surrounding nations that, that lay some groundwork before we get to chapters 42 and 44 that help us understand uh, this a little bit more. But first, look, notice this. He says, he says, the Lord, he says this, I am in control. The Lord is sovereign. Notice how he calls the wicked king Nebuchadnezzar. He says this in verse uh, chapter 27, verse 4. He says, And command them to say unto the masters, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. This is God speaking, the God of Israel. Thus shall ye say unto your masters, I have made the earth, the man, and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and gave it, it unto whom is seen to meet Unto me, so he says, "Here I am. This is the God. To, uh, here's who I am. I'm the Creator. This is I created man. I created a beast. The very ground that you walk upon. It was my power that did this." And so he said, "So he's saying, look, my instructions. What I say can, is going to happen. Is going to happen. You need to trust me. We sing trust and obey this morning. He's saying you need to trust me. And then verse five he, or six, he says, "And now have I given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar." the king of Babylon. Look what he calls Nebuchadnezzar. My servant. So here we have... Nebuchadnezzar was a wicked king. Okay, He was uh, not... Uh, uh, can I say he was not a Christian? Okay, <laughs> But he was not out of God's sovereignty. He was under God's sovereignty. He says, that's my servant. Okay, Even Nebuchadnezzar, this wicked evil man, can't do anything that I don't allow him to do. He's my servant. And so are the beasts of the field. So God's sovereignty, understand this. God's sovereignty, sometimes He asks us to do things and we go, I just don't know about that. Okay, But understand this. God's sovereignty, His authority over everything ought to give us comfort when we have to do something uncomfortable. Sometimes He calls us and instructs us in a way that we go, oh, that's uncomfortable. But if we trust His sovereignty, that He's even sovereign over a wicked king, then we can trust Him that He is sovereign and can give us comfort when we have to do something that's uncomfortable. 
So, and, uh, so he says, this is what I'm telling you to do in verse seven. He goes, okay, this is what I'm going to tell you to do. Okay. He says, he says, you're, you're going to face this in invasion. Okay. But I want to tell you something. He says, and all nations shall serve him, this wicked king. He's instructing, he said that you're going to serve this wicked king and his son and his son's son until the very time of his land come. And then many nations and great kings shall sure serve themselves of him. Now here's what he says. He says, so you need to be in subjection to King Nebuchadnezzar. Do you think they wanted to hear that? They didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to be in subjection to uh, this king. So there was a message they did not want to hear. But he says this, this is what happens if you don't listen. He says, and it shall come to pass that the nation and kingdom which will not serve the name of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and that will not put their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation will I punish, saith the Lord, with the sword, and with the famine, with the pestilence, until I have consumed this by... So he says, if you don't put yourself in subjection, this is what's going to happen, okay? Then there's a warning to not listen to those that tell them something else. He goes, now that's my instruction. This is what I'm telling you. Don't go and listen to souls. There's going to be others that could come and try to instruct you differently. Okay, this would have been something that's like, this doesn't make sense to us, God. I don't know what you're telling us, but I don't understand this. And then he said, but that's what he was very clear what he instructed. Then he goes on in verse nine to tell and warn them to not listen to the false prophets. In verse nine, he says, therefore, hearken not ye to your prophets, nor to your diviners, nor to your dreamers, nor to your enchanters, nor to your sorcerers, which speak unto you saying, you shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you. Okay, do you realize that not everybody out there is speaking for God that claims to speak for God? So some come along and said, would say, you know, I, you know, that doesn't sound good. Okay, why would you want to go and subject into this wicked king? That doesn't make sense. Okay, I've got a better idea. Okay, this is what I really believe God's saying. So he says, I warn you, don't listen. Don't listen. Then he reiterates the blessing that comes from trusting him. This was tough. They didn't want to hear it, but he says, you need to trust me. Verse 11, but the nations that bring their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, those will I let remain still in their own land, saith the Lord, and they shall till it and dwell there. He says, okay, if you go ahead and you put yourself in subjection, You'll get to stay in your land. You'll get to produce your land. And uh, you can you can prosper in your land. You'll be able to stay in your land. Okay? So that's a blessing that will come from this. So the message was clear. The point is this. The, the message was clear. There was no ambiguity. He's saying, Judah, you need to put yourself in subjection to King Nebuchadnezzar. God says, I am in control. Babylon, the King Nebuchadnezzar, is my servant Here's what I want you to do. Submit to Him. And be careful. Don't listen to those that would tell you something different. So Jeremiah delivers this message. And he pleads with them to obey it. So Jeremiah is telling him this message. They don't want to hear. They can't understand it. How can this be? Yet it was, But he was speaking for God and he pleads with them. He knew that this was not what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. It was the voice of the Lord. 
He warned them to not listen to those that would come with a message that would be what they wanted to hear. Did you get that? He warned them. There's going to be some come with a message you want to hear. I'm telling you what you need to hear. I'm telling you what the Lord says. But there's going to be those that will come that are going to tell you something that you are going to want to hear. And you're going to be tempted to go that way because that's something you're going to want to hear. But would lead to destruction if you go that way. So sometimes there are messages that we want to hear. Then there are messages we need to hear. Okay, so the message was clear from the Lord. So let's, now we're going to look to Jeremiah 42 if you're using your Bibles. The message was clear. But did they obey? Would they obey? So, just as Jeremiah had prophesied, the Babylonians did invade. Okay, they invaded Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple as prophesied. Now, most of the Jews were taken into Babylonian captivity at this time. Some fled, but a remnant was allowed to stay in the land. Okay, uh, the remnant they were assigned a governor by the name of Gedaliah to oversee their obedience to the Babylonians. So often what would happen when a, a foreign nation would conquer a, a uh, another nation, they would assign governors, they'd let some stay and take care of the land. And that's what happened. And Nebuchadnezzar assigned a governor to oversee the remnant that were left behind in the land of Judah. And they said, okay, this is just as God had prophesied. He said, you can stay here. A few of you can stay here. The rest were taken into captivity. And they, and they, and they said, so he gives them Gedaliah to to oversee their obedience to the Babylonians. You know, some fled, okay, when the Babylonians were coming. They didn't obey what God had said. They decided they wanted to flee. And, but then they heard Galiah was the governor. They heard that he was in charge, okay? And so they returned, Okay, they returned and came back to the land. Some of those that had fled, they weren't in captivity. They uh, they had not remained. But when they heard Gedaliah, Gedaliah was in charge, they came back, and they heard a message. Gedaliah urged them, "Don't fear the Babylonians. God is in control. We need to do what He says. Submit to the Babylonian king, and we'll live in peace." And they, and we will do well. For a brief period of time, they did this. For a brief period of time, they did. We learn in Jeremiah 40, verse 12, don't have it up there, that they prospered for a bit of time, even. So as they obeyed the instructions that God had given them, even though they didn't like it, didn't understand it, for a period of time, they obeyed what the Lord wanted. But then something happened. So they started well, but then a problem arises. Then there came a man. His name was Ishmael. He was a son, of, not Ishmael, of Isaac's brother, but another Ishmael. He was of the lineage of the last king of Judah. So the previous king of Judah, uh, okay, uh, and he was of that lineage, so he had some royal blood to him. And so, for, for whatever reason, he had a problem with Galiah. 
He did not like the governor that was assigned. He did not like Goliath. And perhaps it was because of his royal lineage, he, he was jealous, uh, and, or, uh, perhaps he thought he should have the leadership role. Uh, whatever the case, he did not like that King Nebuchadnezzar make Gedaliah the leader, the governor. So he plotted to kill him. He plotted to kill him. Now, he would have known of Jeremiah's prophecies and what they were to do, but yet, okay, he had an agenda and he was going to kill Galiah. So, but Galiah had an officer by the name of Johanna, and, uh, but he heard about this plot. So he heard about this plot. He heard, he heard what Ishmael had planned and he warned Gedaliah. And he said, he said, Gedaliah, you know, gonna believe this, but Ishmael is, wants you dead. He's gonna, he's gonna kill you. He says, hey, I'll tell you what, let's stave this off. Let me go kill him first before he gets to you. Gedaliah says, no, don't do that. I don't think he really means it. I don't think he's gonna do it. So Gedaliah wouldn't let him do it. But some time went by, then Ishmael, he got his chance. Get this. He was invited to a feast by Gedaliah himself. Gedaliah invited Ishmael to come. He trusted him. Okay? He thought, well, maybe he's just angry about something. He'll get over it. And then, but Ishmael brought ten others with him. And when he got to the feast, he slaughtered Gedaliah and many of the others, including some of the Babylonian soldiers. They were called Chaldeans. So not only did he kill Gedaliah, the governor that was overseeing their, their work there, the remnant still in Judah, they, he also killed some of the Babylonian soldiers. Do you think when word got back to King Nebuchadnezzar that this happened, that uh, uh, some of his soldiers were killed by uh, Ishmael and others, that he would might be a little bit upset? I think so. So, but he, so then he took some of Jeremiah's followers captive and Johanan and some of the others uh, would go ahead and rescue and get them back. Okay. But now at this point though, they feared that there was going to be retaliation from Babylon, from the Babylonian empire for what Ishmael had done. They had been living in peace. Okay. They had been prospering somewhat, but now they had this 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 event, okay, and a problem arise where Ishmael had 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 a problem with Gedaliah, and and then then now they have a mess. Things have been going well, but one man that had an axe to grind stirred things up. And it took a long time to get to it, but here is where the message starts. Johan and the others were were filled with fear at this point, so they had this fear. Oh no, Babylonians are going to come. They're going to come, and it's going to get bad. So they had a plan. Uh, and th- their first thought was this. We're going to flee to Egypt. Here's what we got to do. Here's what we think is the right thing to do. We're going to go to Egypt. Okay? They had in their mind, we got to get out of here. They said, they thought, in Egypt, we will find protection. In their mind, this was the best laid plan that they could come up with. Go to Egypt. But... They go to the prophet Jeremiah first, which was good. They did. They go to the prophet that speaks for God. And they say this. They go to the prophet Jeremiah and ask for instructions. Get this. They go to him. They say, Jeremiah, would you go to the Lord? 
that we, and ask what we should do, we think we should flee to Egypt for safety, but we will do whatever God tells us to do. See this in chapter 42. So they said, and they said unto Jeremiah the Pilate, Let we beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee, and pray unto us the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant, for we are but a few. Verse 3, that the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we walk and the thing we must do. So he said, go tell him, go ask him. And whatever he says, we're going to do it. So Jeremiah says, okay, I'll do that. I'll call out to the Lord and I'll pray and I'll ask God what we should do, what you should do. And I will tell you his response. He says, I'm going to tell you everything. I will tell you exactly what he says. And they agree. And they said, we'll do whatever he says. Then 10 days go by. Then Jeremiah comes back and he has an answer. We see that in verse 15 of chapter 42. Chapter 42 and verse 15. It says, now therefore hear the word of the Lord. He said, here's your answer. Here's what God says. Plain and clear. Here's what it is. You remnant of Judah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if ye wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt and go to sojourn there, then it shall come to pass that the sword which ye feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine whereof ye are, were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there ye shall die." The answer was clear. So don't go to Egypt. That's your idea. You think that's the best laid plan. Don't go to Egypt. You need to stay here. Very clear. But what happened? They deceived themselves. So he says, the very thing that you're afraid of in verse 16, the very thing that you fear is going to happen, okay? If you stay here, I'm telling you, if you go to Egypt, it's going to happen. How many times where we go to God and we ask for instruction and we're praying, then we get an answer and it doesn't, it's not what we want to hear. So we go ahead and have our own Egypt plan. We go ahead and we're going to go to Egypt anyways. We're going to say, you know what? I'm not going to listen to his clear instruction. I'm just going to go do what I think is right. Okay? And that's what they did here. Verse 19, The Lord has said concerning you, O you remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have among you to say, clear cut, don't go to Egypt. Okay? The instructions were clear. But this is not what they wanted to hear. Once again, he's still telling them the same thing and they still don't want to hear it. So God's answer through Jeremiah was to stay. Don't go to Europe. With no uncertain terms, he says stay. Same as he instructed before. But are we willing to obey when we go to God and we ask for help? And he gives us an answer from his word. There's the answer. And it doesn't match up with what we think it ought to be. 
That happens all the time. So we get an answer and it says this, and we go, ah, you know, I don't like that answer. I'm going to throw that out. Perhaps you come to pastor and you say, I need help with this situation. And he gives you an answer from God's word and you say, ah, I don't like that answer. You know, I'm going to throw that out. I'm going to go to Egypt and do it my way anyways. We do that all the time. We do do it our way. In this case, they decided they're not going to trust what Jeremiah was telling them. They were going to do it their way. And they wanted to go to Egypt. And they were going to go. And they did not like what the prophets said. So they were not going to listen. This was yet another opportunity to start trusting God. And yet, again, they would say, now, we think it's better to do it our way. So, that makes, he says, it makes more sense to us than staying here. So we're going to do it. You see, Understand this, even though they went to Jeremiah and they asked for instruction, they said, we'll do whatever he says. They didn't really mean it. They didn't mean it. What they meant to say was, if it is what we agree with, then we will do it. Do we have that attitude when we come to church? Do we have that attitude? We listen to the Word of God and it's preached. And we go, if I like what it is, then I'll do it. But if I don't like it, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to go on to Egypt and do it the way I think is right. Oftentimes it's the latter. We think we know what's right. We hear the Word of God. We hear the instructions. We said, no, I don't like it. We don't voice it that way. We just say, I'm not going to listen. And that's what they did. They had no intention but are we like that? I, I, I think many times we have trouble in our lives and we wonder why. We seek counsel. We ask why. But we're not really listening because it's not what we want to hear. We can be just like this group here. They had it set in their minds that the answer has to be this. We're going to Egypt. This has to be it. And all they get all the warnings. Jeremiah's telling them, oh, in some turn, no, that's not the way to go. God says this, don't go to Egypt. They're going to go to Egypt anyways. Even though the teaching was clear. The Word of the Lord was clear. They still hadn't figured out what their main problem was. It wasn't the Babylonians. They thought the biggest problem in their life was the Babylonians. They feared the Babylonians. Yeah, this is the biggest problem. They feared the Babylonians. The main problem was not that. The main problem was this. The same for you and I. They did not trust God. They didn't trust Him. They said, they heard the instructions and they said, I don't believe that. You know, I think my way's best. So look at where Jeremiah says about that. It's in chapter 42 and verse 20. If you have your Bibles open, this is what Jeremiah says about that. Verse 20 he says, For ye dissembled in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God. He said, when you sent me to go ask for God, you dissembled in your heart. And I'll tell you what that means in a minute. Saying, pray for us in the Lord our God. And according to all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare it unto us and we will do it. He says, you disassembled, dissembled or you led yourselves astray is what that means. He said, you led yourselves astray when you came and you pretended like you wanted to hear from God. You really didn't. You convinced yourself you did, but you really didn't. You led yourself astray. In other words, since you were so convinced as what you thought was right, we can be so convinced of what we think is right, then when we hear the voice of the Lord and we know what He's instructing, we can't hear it because it's not what we want to hear. So we were kind of like this. 
And so, you see, know this. Know this, though. If we're not consistently in the Word of God and growing, if you're not studying, if you're not listening to teachers, you can deceive yourself. You can deceive yourself into thinking you know what God wants. We hear it all the time. People say, oh, I know what God wants. I know what God wants. I know what God wants. This is what God wants. This, If you're not in the Word of God and you're not studying the Word of God, you're not under solid preaching, you're not listening to the Word of God, you don't know what God wants. That's where we find out what God's will is. The Word of God. And if it does not match up with the Word of God, it is not what He wants. But sometimes we speak as if we know what God wants, and it's really just what we want. And it's we deceived ourselves. And so when we do hear the Word of God, and it doesn't match up with what our thinking is, and it, we, we say it must be a problem with the Word of God, not with us. So we can deceive ourselves. So the Word of caution. If you have preconceived notions so ingrained in you that you think about God, so you have these preconceived notions about God that don't match up with the Word of God, you can have them so ingrained into you that you're not listening to what He says about Himself and what He's really saying. Sometimes this happens. Okay, we say things about God and it's just not true. So we said, this is what the Word of God says, and yet someone will say, I don't believe that. What you're saying is, I don't trust God. Look at Jeremiah, what he says next in verse 21. He says, Now I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for which He hath sent me unto you. See that? He said, you know what? We can be just like them. We hear the Word. We don't obey it. We want to hear from God, but we don't want to do it unless it is what we want to hear. This is just what James says in, James says in the New Testament. James puts it this way. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. What does it say? Deceiving your own selves. We hear the word of God. We don't do it. We do it our way. What does it say? We're deceiving ourselves. We come, we hear God's Word, we hear what it, He has to say, and then we turn around, we walk out, and we still go do it our way. We're deceiving ourselves. So we deceive ourselves into thinking we really want to hear from God, but we only want to do what we agree with. So, this is a true story. I remember several years ago, there was a man out in Colorado who owned this muffler shop. And... Uh, he had this, this business in Gransby, Colorado. His name uh, was Marvin. And he had this long-lasting dispute that was going on with some of the local people, this smaller town. And uh, he was new to town when he started the business. And so they had this dispute going on uh, over with the, he had this with other business owners and with local government officials over zoning issues. And so years go by, and they're going back and forth, back and forth. And Marvin decided he had enough. So he hatched this plan that he was gonna, he bought a bulldozer. He bought a bulldozer and he had this shed. Okay. He puts it in this bulldozer in the, in the thick of night, late at night and he hides it in there and he goes about uh, hatching out this plan and he begins, uh, just, uh, making a, kind of a tank out of this bulldozer. This is a true story. He's making a tank out of this bulldozer. And, uh, and, uh, he fortified it and he, he has, he, and he is, he, 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 and he, did I tell you this, by the way? He had a testimony of being a Christian. 
Okay, he had a testimony that he's a Christian, but he hatched his plan. What he was going to do, he was going to get back at all those that were giving him trouble. So the day comes where he's going to get in his tank, that he, this bulldozer tank thing, and he, he is going to institute his plan. What he's going to do, he's going to bulldoze every house in town of everybody that had caused him trouble. That was his plan. He, everybody he had wronged him. So he gets in the tank and the dozer, and he goes through town doing just that. He destroyed a lot of properties. And the police tried to stop him, but he had this, you know, they're shooting him, but they can't do anything to stop him because it's built like a tank. He finally gets to this commercial building downtown. One guy, he was particularly upset, and he starts bulldozing it. And then what he didn't plan on was that it had a basement. So he hit the, and the dozer goes down into the basement. And he's stuck. He didn't know about that. And the authorities approached him, and they got to him, and they heard a gunshot. He killed himself inside the dozer. What does that have to do with this, what we're talking about? What does it have to do with hearing God's voice? Well, get this. He had recorded on tape right before he left, and those tapes were found. He recorded himself on the tape before taking off that morning. In that recording, he said something that stuck out to me. He said this. He said, this must be the will of God. He said, this must be God's will. His thinking was this. I went and bought this dozer, and it barely fit into my shed, just with an inch on either side. If it was not God's will, He would have stopped me, and it would not have fit into my shed. He said, I would, not have, been, I would have been found out after all this time, but nothing stopped me, so it must be God's will. Uh, and, so, uh, and so all this time that God did not stop him, he thought somehow along the way, this must be God's will because God did not stop him. Now get this, before he takes off, get this, he says this, I am at peace with this. I know this is what God wants me to do. He had some feeling of peace. There's a problem. That's not what God teaches us, right? But he thought this was the will of God. That was his Egypt. He said, this is what I think. This is my Egypt. This is the way I'm going to handle this. And he deceived himself thinking this is the will of God so much he was not listening to the clear instructions of the Word of God. He says, this is, my, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it my way. And this is all along the way, he thinks he's doing the will of God, but he's not listening to the clear instructions of God. We do the very same thing. God gives us clear instructions. We don't listen. We've got our own preconceived thoughts of what God wants us to do. We do them, and they don't even match up with the Word of God. That's what he did. And he says, I'm at peace. He thought he had the peace of God. He thought he was uh, doing justice. This is what God would want me to do. He was not hearing the voice of the Lord. If it does not match up with the Word of God, it is not the will of God. This was his Egypt. And he convinced himself that this was the will of God. You know this, we can all have an Egypt. We can all have this thing, that we, this way we think, okay, this is the way it should be done. Okay, and we have preconceived things that's not shaped by the Word of God, but somehow shaped by something else other than the Word of God. And we don't follow the clear instructions. It's very clear, but we have these big ideas and we shoot for that instead. We can be so determined to do what we want to do and we can convince ourselves that this is the will of God. The Jews were so convinced 
Get this. The Jews were so convinced that Jeremiah was wrong, they accused him of being a liar. Verse 2. And spake Azariah the son of Hoshiah and Johanahan the son of Kezariah and all the proud men saying unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn thee. He said, Jeremiah, you're lying. You're lying. But God, Jeremiah was speaking for God. But get this. That's the same trick the devil has used from the beginning. That's what he used on Eve. He went, he went to Eve, if you recall. The serpent went to Eve and told Eve, he said, did God really say you can't eat of this tree? Did God really say that? Eve had the very clear instructions. They could eat of every tree, but at the tree of the object of good and evil, they could not. Very clear instructions. But just one subtle lie come and said, did God really say that? That's what's happening here. So they, they accused Jeremiah of lying. The prophet of God. They said he is lying. We're not going to listen to you. It's the oldest trick in the book. To get God's people to doubt what he is saying. Did God really say that? What's the real problem? So many times we think the problem is our circumstances and we think uh, we got the right solution. We can even convince ourselves that we got the right solution, ignoring the clear instructions for God. And so many in Judah looked at the Babylonians as problems, so they set about to deal with the problem in their own way. In spite of all the warnings they heard from God's prophet, they continued to do it their way. They encountered more problems and they continued to dig a deeper and deeper hole. You see, the problem that they had was the same problem that mankind has always had. And it's this. Chapter 44. God says this. They are not humbled even unto this day. Up to this point, they had warning after warning. Trouble come upon them because they did not listen. More trouble and more trouble. More warnings. More words of the law. More opportunities to trust. More opportunities to obey. Time after time after time, he said, God says, here's the problem. They are not humbled even at this day. Neither have they feared nor walked in my law nor my statutes that I set before you and before your father. He said, problem is this. You don't trust me. You don't fear me. You don't respect me. You're not humble. You're going to do it your way. So the problem was not their circumstances. The problem was this. They were proud and did not want to listen to the voice of the Lord. So all Israel and Judah, they would continue from that point on to reject God's prophets. They would continue for the next several hundred years refusing to listen. Eventually God would go silent and they wouldn't hear from God again until another prophet came. John the Baptist came. He came preaching Christ and they still were not listening. They still, after several hundred years, 600 years, and they still were not listening. Here was John the Baptist letting them know the long-awaited Messiah and King was here. After hundreds of years of silence, they now have a messenger from God and He's telling them, your Messiah is here. This should have been good news. But what did they do? They killed John the Baptist. He's still not listening. They killed the prophet. Why? Because they were still refusing to listen. Then Jesus came 
preaching the Word of God. What did they do to Him? They crucified Him. Still refusing to hear the voice of the Lord. Some thought they were doing what was right. Still. You see what happens when we refuse to listen? The longer we refuse to listen, the voice of the Lord, the harder it becomes to recognize the voice of the Lord. The Apostle Paul was one of them, by the way, that was caught up in this. He thought he was doing the will of God when he was persecuting Christians. And uh, he thought he was doing exactly what he wanted to do. Now, God was merciful to Paul. And he saved him. He opened his eyes to the truth. Then God turned around and used Paul in a very tremendous way. Paul would go on to speak boldly the truth of God's Word. And he himself would eventually be killed as well for speaking the truth. So they didn't want to hear what God was saying through Paul. You see, get this. The ones that speak the truth, get this, the ones that speak the truth tend to be the ones that get persecuted. The ones that are speaking lies tend to be the ones doing the persecuting. Paul spoke the truth. When he did, it either led to revival or revolt. But notice this. Paul would later write about Israel's past. Write about these things. And he gives us something that applies to us today in the New Testament. So let's look at the application for us today. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 11 to the church. He's wrapping up, speaking verses 9, 10, 11 about Israel's past, present, and future. And he, he, he's speaking to the church here and he says this. Speaking of Israel, he says, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith, you guys. He says this, be not high-minded, but fear. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest He also spare not thee. Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fell. Severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in His goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. It's not talking about losing your salvation. What he's talking about is being used by God for His purposes. He says, that's what happened to Israel. They refused to listen. They were going to do it their own way. And they got cut off and they're no longer being used by God. God is now using the church. He says, listen, learn from their lesson. Fear God. Be humble. Don't get high-minded. Listen to His voice. Follow His clear instructions. So Judah had heard from the Lord through the prophets, including Jeremiah, but they refused to listen and they were eventually cut off. Whatever circumstances you're facing, understand this, they're not your biggest problem. Our biggest problem for you and for me is this, pride and unbelief. That's our biggest problem for both of us, all of us. And it's, a, it's, it's this, it's a lack of the fear of God that we all have. John Bunyan put it this way in humility. He, he said this, he that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. If we really want to hear what God has to say, we will be humble and obedient to what he has to say. 
But when we're full of pride, we said, nope, I'm going to do it my way. I got my Egypt. That's the way I'm going to go. And we're full of pride and we think that's the best way. And we don't listen to his messengers and we go and do it our way. You see, we do not follow God because we aren't humble and we are like the Jews. We think there is some Egypt out there that's going to fix our problems. Something other than what God clearly says. You know, if we would just obey the clear instructions of God and pay attention to that and let God take care of the rest, I think we'd be in pretty good shape. So, we get into trouble when we proudly refuse to follow God. Close with this. James chapter 4, verse 6, starts with saying this, But he giveth more grace... Where if he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord." Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Sometimes we are looking for an Egypt solution when God wants us to obey what He has already clearly told us. Okay, We need to spend more time obeying His clear instructions instead of thinking there's some, some, something else out there. So, are we listening to the voice of the Lord? Or we got some idea in our minds that we think's best, yet he's clearly and he speaks to us over and over again. Are we refusing to hear his voice? We need to fear the Lord and humble ourselves. Let's pray. Your gracious heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your mercy, Lord. Or you uh, give us many warnings, Lord, and Lord, and I'm thankful, Lord, that you give us clear instructions, Lord. Lord, uh, I'm as guilty as anybody, Lord, of uh, not following the clear instructions that you have in your word, Lord. Lord, I'm thankful that you're merciful, you're gracious, Lord. You give us opportunities to repent. Lord, help us to turn to you, Lord. Help us to trust you. Lord, help us to obey you. Lord, help us to have right views of you. And Lord, uh, help us, Lord, to have a proper respect for you and your word. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand with your eyes closed and your heads bowed. And as Brenda plays, and would you consider, uh, do you have some preconceived ideas that are your own ideas that don't match up with the Word of God? Perhaps you say, Lord, I know you've been telling me something. I haven't been listening, but Lord, I want to listen to you today. Do we really want to obey God? Perhaps you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you'd like to come forward and we can have someone show you in the Bible how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven and see what God's Word says about how you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven. If there's someone like that in the, here today, would you step out of your pew and uh, come forward and we have someone show you in the Bible how you can know for sure.
Your gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we uh, close out our time in Your Word, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that You would work in our hearts, Lord, to, to trust You, Lord, even when it's hard, when we don't understand, when things are, are, are is not like we think it should be, Lord, and we think we know what we should do, Lord, to, to trust You even though it, it's difficult, Lord. Lord, You're trustworthy. You always keep Your promises. You always have and You always will. And uh, You have what's best in mind for us, Lord. So, Lord, help us to not turn off Your voice and, and to be deceived in our own thinking, Lord. And Lord, I, I thank You so much for being so gracious and merciful to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we leave here today, uh, I pray that you will spend time in God's Word and see what He has to say and see if our thinking matches up what God's Word says to see if we might be off in something or see if some things that maybe you've heard uh, from different places might be off and make sure it matches up with God's Word and that we're willing to obey what He says and the clear instructions that He gives us. So.